Are you sure? Yes. Did I mention you don't want to miss the rapture? Yes. Okay. Um, did I mention, mention that if you do miss the rapture, you don't want to miss the, the mid-tribulation rapture? Okay. I just want to put that in there. I want to pick up real quick on uh, something uh, Peter said, kind of sparked in my, uh, my thought of a recent conversation I had. Um, I don't know. It may have been this month. It may have been last month. But, um, you know, the things that Peter was saying about giving are powerful. But the conversation that, that I had was with uh, Johnny that owns this building. He'd come into my office and we were talking. Actually, I'm confusing two things. He was in my office either earlier this month or last month, that, but that's not when we had this conversation. This conversation went back. And it reminded me of the conversation because he says, David, he says, you know what's different about me than most people? And we were talking about finances, business, money, and different things like that. And I said, what's that? He said, most people, when they need something done, he says, they go try to find the cheapest they can get it for. He said, I try to find the best. And uh, he says, I'm, I'm not concerned about what it costs me because everybody that does any business, you know, they've got their prices set so that they can buy their goods, you know, uh, provide their service and so on and so forth. I don't know if you know it. Everybody seen the hot dog stand that's going up in the corner over here? There's a little building construction. It's going to be a hot dog stand. Well, right to the left of that, there's a, uh, where they're going to put in a, a dumpster. You know, they, they built this, I don't know what it's called, but you stick the dumpsters in there so the truck can come and pick it up. And that's where it's got like a center block wall and everything. He says, what do you think that, uh, that dumpster thing over there cost me? I'm like, I got no clue. I don't understand construction and cost. I said, 10 grand. He said, no, 25 he says, he says, I could have gotten it cheaper, <clears throat> but, and I do think the guy was kind of high on his price, but he's the best, and so I decided to go ahead and pay for it. Now, he's put not only this here, but he's, he owns the property, you know where Milan is? Uh, he owns all that property also, the, the Tulare County Schools rent from him in that part where the World War II Memorial, all the way down to the corner down there, and um, uh, he, he, so he's putting in several of these things. Is that $25,000 a pop? I think he said he has to put five of them in on all the properties. So he said it's going to be $125,000. And um, he says, but I understand that whenever I honor people and what they do, it comes back to me through what I do. I thought, you know, th this guy understands some Bible and doesn't even know he understands some Bible. But you know, there's many Christians... I'm picking up on what Peter was talking about on giving. They're believing God for money to come in, but they're always trying to work a deal so they can live. Not realizing that every time we work a deal with somebody, we get all excited because we saved 20 bucks. But what we did is we took out of their pocket the $20 so that we could have the $20 in our pocket. Let me, write, let me remind you of a verse. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom. But see, when we approach life as a taker, I think you charge too much. So I need to take out of your pocket and put it back into my pocket. We're violating scripture. How are we going to get our faith to work when we don't even have enough faith to believe that we can, you know, that we can pay the extra 20 bucks, 50 bucks, whatever it is. I mean, usually it's going to be, it's not like really meaningful in the whole scheme of life. And this, this giving element, and some of the things we're going to talk about tonight in Revelations, we're, we're going to see. Because one of the things that's just really hit me as I've been putting this revelation is everything ties back to the Bible on how to live. But we think that our time. You know, there's this verse, I can't remember where it's at. He that uh, blesses the man that sweareth to his own hurt, but changes not. That even if I made a deal with you, and now the circumstances have changed where this is going to cost me money or it's not good for me, blessed is the man that will stick to his word. How many times do we violate scripture because we become takers in the transaction, and we're only talking nickels and dimes, but, but our faith is so struggling because of the pressure that's on us for money. So I feel like you up here, Peter. I mean, it seems like everybody's staring at me and being quiet. Let's go to Revelations and have some fun, okay? All right, we, we got through chapter 9 uh, uh, two weeks ago. And uh, uh, 
So we're starting at chapter 10 today, but I want to start at the last verse because <clears throat> we were at the end of our service and I didn't really want to expound upon some things. And as I was putting it together, some things started uh, coming together. Then so I thought, well, I want to pick it back up. So we're in Revelation chapter 9, verse 21. We're going to go back there. Now, you remember in uh, at the end of chapter 9, we were in the sixth trumpet. Remember, there were seven trumpets that were blown. And, uh, and in chapter 9, starting around verse 13, the sixth trumpet was blown. And, uh, and so verse 21 is the last verse of the chapter. And it says, and, and with every trumpet, there's a bunch of horrible things that went on, different things in the tribulation period. It says, neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornications, nor of their thefts. Now, I want to walk through these for just a minute. Uh, because when this talks about, because this is really kind of what hit me whenever I was kind of putting together for tonight, neither did they repent of their murderers, of their murders. Now, he's not just talking about murderers, you know, the guy that killed somebody. Stop and think about it in the context right now, because we're seeing things happen of everything that's going on for depopulation. There's several people in positions of power, and really that's who the major battles are with, are people in positions of power who's trying to depopulate the earth, killing them. Interesting, isn't it? Sorceries, or, uh, nor of their sorceries. The word sorceries here says the act of producing certain wonderful effects by invocation or aid of demons or the agency of certain supposed spirits, the use of magic arts, spells, or charms, incantations. The magicians of Egypt did so with their enchantments, Exodus chapter 7. And listen to this part of it. Ir irresistible influence overpowering the influence of delight. Kind of talks about the people that are trying to gain power all the time. They just love the power, the control, and they're going to do things to try to manipulate because manipulation is witchcraft. Yeah. Do you know that, especially if you feed on CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, they're trying to manipulate your thought? It's sorcery. It's a division of it. Not to mention, what is, is Halloween now like? It's either the, the largest Holiday in the United States or the second largest, which is, it's the largest over Christmas. It's all about demonology. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm talking about Christians. I'm not talking about the world. How many Christians are into it? Or fortunes or horoscopes. What do you do when you go to the Chinese food restaurant? Oh, look at my horoscope. Look at my doctrine of a demon. No, it's just a fortune cookie. There's Christians that read horoscopes. Man, did you hear how quiet it got? I, I think I'm talking to us. <laughs> Not to mention the movies. Look at the popularity of Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter amongst Christians. Sorcerers. Interesting. Fornication. We see that all over the place. Sexual immorality. Uh, Epstein's Island. Uh, just, but just look at the number of Christians that live together outside of marriage. Fornication. But it's culturally acceptable. Still fornication. Um, thefts. He's not talking about somebody stole your car. They're stealing your life right now through taxes and inflation. Go on to like search engine, YouTube or something like that. And how does the Federal Reserve work? Or how is inflation created? they got a bunch of little cartoon type things. Now, it's a very complex system that they've got figured out. But those at the, dot, at the top are benefiting from those at the bottom. Inflation is an invisible tax. And, and money, uh, money transfers. All right, we're to chapter 10 now. So let's go into chapter 10. And uh, we start at verse 1. And it says, And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow, sign of the covenant, was upon his head, and his face was as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. And he had in his hand a little book open. Now we're going to come back and we'll talk about the book in just a minute. And he set his right foot 
upon the sea and his left foot upon the earth and cried with a loud voice as when a lion roareth. Now, when a lion roars, it's typically trying to get its, you know, take its stand, get attention. So his voice, we could say in the jungle kingdom that the lion's roar is a voice of authority. I mean, all the, all the animals understand when they hear that thing roar. So he's speaking with a loud voice, cried with a loud voice as when a lion roars. And when he cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. Now, up to this point, we've had seven seals, chapter 5 and chapter 6. The seven trumpets, chapter 8 and chapter 9. We had seven woes, which we've seen one of the woes. And it was fulfilled with a lot of bad things. Now we have seven thunders. Okay. And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write. So John was getting ready to write down what happened during the seven thunders. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered and write them not. So now what are the seven thunders? We have no idea. Anybody, you might, because a lot of people speculate on things. We could speculate, but speculating is just talking from a position of not knowing. According to the word of God, John could not write what happened. But if we look at the seven seals, the seven woes, the seven trump, or the three woes, the seven trumpets, everything happened with every trumpet, with every seal that was unsealed. So we're confident that something's going to happen with every thunder that thunders. Now, and so... Um, Verse 5, and the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth. So we're talking about the same angel that released the seven thunders. Lifted up his hand to heaven and swear by him that liveth forever and ever. Who is he that liveth forever and ever? Jesus. The reference here is, yes, God lives from the beginning. But the scripture talks about that he was, he is, and he is to come. Uh, who created heaven. They say, oh, no, 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 that's God. Actually, this is where it gets deep. I can't teach on it tonight. I've tried to teach on it two or three times, but it, it's, it's a really deep subject. But we know in Genesis chapter one that God created the heavens and the earth. He spoke and it was, he spoke and it was, and he spoke and it was. But then over in the New Testament, we see that it was all made by him, referring to Jesus. But it's not referring to the man Jesus, referring to the anointing of Jesus. So in the speaking of God's word, it was the anointed function that functioned within it. Now, let's go back to this verse right here. What verse were we reading? Number six? All right. Uh, 10.6. And swore by him that liveth forever and ever, who created heaven, and the things that, are, that therein are, and the earth, and the things that therein are, and the sea, and the things which are therein, that there should be time no longer. So now we see here that everything was created in a manner where time does not exist. Now we know we get over, um, I, this is all going to tie back into Jesus, his name, our covenant that I've been talking to on Sundays. But we know that we get into heaven, there is no time. But there is a, there is a clock here right now. That, and this, this tribulation period of seven years is very specific on time. So there's time frames in it. But everything was created where there would be no time and we're moving into the realm of the place where there is no time. So, so again, we see where we are at the end. Now, verse 7, But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, so we saw in uh, when we finished up what is it? Chapter six and the angels and seven thunder. We ended chapter nine with the sixth trumpet and the angel, when he begins to sound, the mystery of God should be finished. So the, the things that, you know, the Bible talks about how we see in part. Now we're coming to a place where we're going to see the whole thing, how it's laid out. Now, this is, I believe this is David. I believe have you ever gotten revelation of anything? Like, I mean, you're going along in life, you're praying about something, all of a sudden you get revelation. It's like, well, that's like stupid easy. Why didn't I see that before? Well, I believe the same thing's going to happen when, when we see in full. It's like, are you kidding? I struggled in life all my life, and it was that simple? 
All I had to do was deal with the way I thought. All I had to do was deal with my faith. And I could have had all that. But, and, and all the prophecies are going to be fulfilled. Prophecies are giving in a mystery type things that we don't know how they're going to work out. But he says here that in verse 7, But in the days of the voice of the servant, seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound. So now we also see there's time frames with the trumpets because it's not just he said when it begins to sound so it sounds like the sounding of the trump is longer than just somebody blowing a note through a trumpet as we know it and we begin to sound the mystery of god shall be finished as he hath declared to his servants the prophets so all the things that have been prophesied they're all going to come to pass we're going to see everything in the way that it was created and in this now in this to the to understanding of this, I, I've said it many times. I mean, it's just how my brain works and how I see it. I don't really know how it actually kind of overlays, but you've got the natural and the spiritual over, overlays the natural. There, there can't be a, a big distance. In fact, I think it's interesting because, you, you know, drugs, uh, the word um, uh, pharmacy, which is medicines, actually comes from a, a spiritual... Do you remember what the, the definition of that word was? Like, like how that works? It means witchcraft. Okay. So how many people, Peter, that's come in over the decade, because of drug use, stepped into a spiritual... They saw, they saw things. They, they dealt with things. Does that happen very often? All the time. All the time. So even drugs can break the veil of that difference between the natural and the spiritual. Now, usually the person on drugs thinks that they walk with God, but it was demons that they were dealing with. Um, but, but that veil is thin between what God has established, but hid it in a mystery. Now, I, the other thing that makes, that, that makes us, I guess, more visible is how when Paul talks about the carnal man cannot receive the things of, God, of the Spirit. Okay, because within the church, in fact, we had a conversation on this just the other day. Within the church, there are people who are educated on the Bible, but they have no spirituality. Jesus said in John 6, 63, my word is spirit and it is life. You can, know, you can memorize the whole Bible, have it cross-referenced in your brain. In fact, I knew a guy, Paul, uh, he came here. Uh, a long time ago, you remember Paul? Um, that was it. Might have even been before your time. But this guy was like a walking encyclopedia of the Bible. And I even when I preached, if I, there was a verse I couldn't remember where it's at, it's like Paul, where's that verse that says something like this? Boom, he didn't get off. Well, he was in prison uh, for like ten years, and he was in solitary confinement. All he did was study and memorize the Bible. Well, he hung himself. He's a walking encyclopedia of the Bible. Uh, personally, I know there's people that probably know more of the Bible as far as memorization than him, but of people I've met, I don't know anybody that knew more of the Bible as in memorization of the Bible than him. He killed himself. He couldn't function in life because he didn't understand. So even in the church setting, um, you know, we were talking about like, how do you get the information from here to here? Well, even science or whatever form of science it is, uh, says that like 90% of everything we do, we do subconsciously. We, get, we don't have to think about how do I put my pants on? How do I tie my shoe? We just get ready and we just start throwing things on, tying things and buckling things and zipping things. And, you know, and then we get moving and get in the car, drive you know, to wherever we're going. And then like, I don't even remember crossing Mooney. I hope that light was green. And, you know, and you're just doing things in a subconscious manner. You and I have to consume the word so that we do it in a subconscious manner. We have to get it from here to here. And the question was asked, well, how do I get it from here to here? And the answer is the exact same way you got to where you're at in other things. You meditated on it. If you get offended easy, the only reason why you get offended easy is because you trained yourself to get offended easy. You decided that you were the most important thing in life and that everything that everybody did was an, an offense against you. And so every time something happens, you take it. You trained yourself that way. You look for a person that gets offended a lot. They look for things to get offended about. When somebody's talking, they're subconsciously, they're actually looking at the conversation to see what in this is talking about me that I can get offended at. 
Now, they don't say that to themselves, but that's exactly what they're doing. A person that has anger issues, they've trained themselves to become angry. It's not red hair. I guarantee you. You trained yourself to get angry at stuff. Something is happening against me. You get angry. Now you walk through life in an anger mode. You don't even realize you're doing it. You've trained yourself to do this. And every time you hear somebody talk, you look at in it. What is going to anger me in this? Well, I don't try to get angry. Yes, you do. You just don't think you do. And we, we can go down the line and pick every, everything that, anything that we want through. It's not isolated. This, those are just like really common with people. Got control. I'll just go ahead and stop. Um, verse 8. And the voice which I heard from heaven. Oh, let me finish what my point was. The point is, because we're reading in the book of Revelations. Whatever your struggle is, whatever my struggle is, um, there's a thin line between it and victory. I mean, if we, if we, I, I'm going to, I don't know if I'm going to do it on live stream or in a, like a Wednesday night sometime down the future, but I'm actually starting to gather notes on it and everything like that. All the, in fact, I've got notes on the, um, the abundance of God. I've got scriptures like this long throughout the Bible, where God has created things for us to have more than enough. But most Christians don't have more than enough. There's a thin line between where we're at and stepping over there. Now, like I said, going back into my exhortation on Luke 6, uh, 38, uh, we're going through life being takers, but it's givers that it shall come back. There's another verse that says, according to the measure, oh, actually, given it shall be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men given to you. For with the same measure that you give, it shall be measured back to you. But what if you're a taker? Well, your measurement is that things are going to be taken from you. It's not going to work. Or what if you are a small giver? Now, Peter used the, the two mites, so I'm not talking about the amount. I'm talking about the heart of the matter. What if you are a small giver? Your, your life is about you. Well, anything that comes to you is going to come in a small measure. So my point on this is we're seeing things that are happening in heaven that um, they're corresponding or this, this gap, not a gap, this veil, whatever, whatever makes the spiritual operate on one side and the natural, it's opening up to where there's a flow because the anger of God is being poured out. And now what is being sounded in heaven is manifesting in earth. So I, my point being is we should realize we're not that far away from complete victory. But the things that stop us from complete victory, it's the doctrine that we built in here that we have to do and we can't do what God says. Now, everything in this is going to come down to what God says. So verse 8. And the voice which I heard from heaven spake unto me again and said, Go and take the little book. Remember we read there was a little book in his hand? Which is opened in the hand of the angel which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth. Now we're still dealing with the angel that released the seven thunders that John could not write about. And, uh, and so he was told to go eat the book. Now, there's no way on any level throughout the word of God, you can depart from the word of God and be correct. To depart from the word of God is sin. And everything about, um, in fact, probably one of the most horrendous times is Jesus in the garden saying, Father, if there's any way we can do this different, let's do it different. But nevertheless, not by will, but you'll be done. I'll do what you want. It's just like, is there like a plan B we can take? And he was under such intense pressure that the capillaries in the outer skin busted and he sweated great drops of blood. Now, people's been under pressure before, but have you been under that much pressure? And even under that much pressure, he still did not separate himself from the word of God. So I went unto the angel and said unto him, give me the little book. And he said unto me, take it and eat it, eat it up, and it shall uh, make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. So we know this is the word of God. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 15. We're going to look at a couple of verses. 
Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 16. And thy words were found, and I did eat them, and thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart, for I am called by thy name, O Lord God. So again, here we see that it was joy, it was sweet in the mouth. And then go to John, the book of John, chapter 6. First John. John chapter 6 and verse 33. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then, they, then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh unto me shall never hunger again. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. And then in another verse, we won't go to it. He says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me. So you, you cannot get away from the word of God. And so John is told to go eat it. Well, um, you have to consume it. So if you think about eating when you ingest food, it assimilates into your body. And, and it will nourish you or it will destroy you, know, depending on the food that you're eating. Um, you know, the, the word of God must assimilate. So what is the sweet in my mouth and a bitter to my belly? Many have described that as when you come and find the word of God, the promises of God, oh my goodness, I want this, I want to walk in this, I want to experience this. But then when you get to the word, you find out the battle that you're going to have with you, yourself, in doing it, it becomes bitter. I don't know if I want to do this, this was a bad idea to eat this, and so on and so forth. Now, Barna, this goes back years and years ago, probably around the early 2000s. Barna research found that 85% of Christians do not read or study their Bible. Now, that, that was like 20 years ago, 24 years ago, 26 years ago. It might have been the early, late 90s. Um, the church has gotten weaker, so my guess is the word has gotten weaker. So probably it's more than 85%. So we're on Wednesday. Just check yourself here. Don't uh, change the expression on your face or look down or anything like that. But uh, Sunday evening, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, how much were you in the word of God? See, most people aren't. Yet, John, I think this is very indicative of the element that the voice told him, go eat that. You have to consume it. Now, it's interesting after this, um, verse 10, I took the book out. The angel said, I ate it up and it was in my mouth, sweetest honey. And as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. And he said unto me, this is the angel, Thou must prophesy again before many peoples, nations, and tongues, and kings. Now, nowhere in historical records or church records do we find that this has happened. Now, it just stops there. What does it mean? Don't, don't know. But apparently, John has an assignment that is still on the books to prophesy again before many people, nations, tongues, and kings. And uh, just kind of an interesting thought. I mean, it would just be speculation to, uh, to say that we knew what this was. And um, Okay, chapter 11. And there was given to me a rod, like unto a rod, and the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. But the court, which is without the temple, leave out and measure it not. Watch this. For it is given unto the Gentiles. Now, the Gentiles in this is mentioned as those without the covenant of God. So these were in the, the last half of the tribulation. And, uh, and this is uh, the church is taken out. The church is the, the redeemed church is taken out pre-tribulation. Those that clean their robes are taken out at mid-tribulation. And now something is happening at mid-tribulation, going in and through the end of the tribulation. And the holy city, this would be Jerusalem, shall they, who's the they? Gentiles, those without the covenant of God, shall tread underfoot forty and two months. 
Uh, can you do the math in your head? How long is 42 months? Three and a half years. Wow. Isn't that interesting? Oh. I thought you did the math. Okay. So, this, if you remember me talking about a couple of weeks ago, that at the, um, at the beginning of the tribulation, the Antichrist makes a pact with Jerusalem, a seven-year agreement but he violates it at mid-tribulation. And here we see the violation. He moves his, his office from what many believe would be in Europe to Jerusalem. And in moving it to Jerusalem, they're going to tread it, it out for 42 months. And I will give power unto my two witnesses. Now watch it. And Reba, or not Reba, Latrice, don't, don't answer me, okay? Uh, and I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore uh, days clothed in sackcloth. Guess how long a thousand two hundred and threescore days is? Forty-two months or three and a half years. So when the Antichrist does this, the two, pro the two prophets come on the scene and they're empowered. So now there's a three and a half year uh, element where, lack of a better term, the two prophets are a thorn in the, the, um, the Antichrist side because everything he's trying to do, they're opposing it with the power of God. Now let's see what they can do. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before God on earth. Now many people spe try to speculate on who the two witnesses are and it, it doesn't, they're called a, an olive tree and a candlestick and so some people have gone back into the Old Testament and um, they say it's Zerubbabel. And uh, where's my notes at here? Who is the other one? Zerubbabel. I'm on chapter 4, 11, 4. Uh, Zerubbabel and Joshua. Because in Zechariah 4, they're identified as a candlestick in the olive branch. But they've died. Uh, reincarnation is not part of God's plan. We don't find it anywhere in the Word of God. So why would we speculate that it's going to happen again? Plus, we have a scripture. It's appointed in a man once to die and did the judgment uh so it yeah i don't think so you can believe what you want i mean it's, it's a minor on who we say that it is just speculation anyway some people have said it's moses and elijah because they dealt with times and events that are similar to this um but that doesn't really they both died or elijah didn't die but moses died and uh, then some people say it's enoch and elijah because they never died and it was appointed unto man once to die and then, uh, then the judgment. But why would, if, if somebody was resurrected or was translated as Enoch and Elijah, uh, why do we think that they would have to come back for another assignment, especially being under the old covenant and not the new covenant? Uh, I don't know. Why, why can't it like follow the pattern of God that God uses people that are alive at the time that he's doing things? That during that, that time, there's two men that are godly, giving their lives up. Now, obviously, they weren't part of the church because they wouldn't be there right then. But they're, one of, uh, they're, they're not part of the 144,000. But we're going to see as we go on that after the 144,000 are gone, angels start ministering to people. How do we know it's not just a converted person that has a calling, a gift on, it, on their life? And they start doing this. So... Um, so that starts when? At mid-tribulation, because they're going to go 1,260 days, which is three and a half years, half of the tribulation. Verse 7. Oh, no. Verse 5. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth. Now, I guess that could mean, but I kind of see it in the way of uh, Elijah called fire from heaven and, and consumed them, you know, something like that and devoureth their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, like they have a desire to hurt them, he must in the same manner be killed. So anybody that comes against them for, for the, the time of their ministry, um, they're just going to kill them. Now what? These, the two witnesses, have power to shut heaven, that it rain not in the days of their prophecies, and have power over waters to turn them to blood, and to smite the earth with all plagues, which as often as they will. 
They don't have to wait on God to tell them to do this or do that. They can just do it based on their own accord. You're really ticking me off. Oh, you've gone too far and you're smack the ear talking. As often as they will. Now, verse 7. And when they shall have finished their testimony. Now, let me pause here for just a minute on this word testimony because we get testimony. We have reduced the word testimony down to a verbal testimony, which verbal testimony is good. I'm not knocking it. But, um, you know, it, when we get over to chapter 12 and verse 11, we're going to see they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Now, the two witnesses had a word of testimony. They were declaring things. They were talking about things. But I doubt it was, well, I'm a Christian and I follow Jesus. Want to come to Sunday school with me? They're, pro they're standing against darkness and proclaiming the things of God. And the demonstration of the life is their testimony. Just like Jesus in Acts chapter 1 came back and revealed himself by many infallible proofs and then told us we shall receive power and we shall be witnesses unto him. Not verbal witnesses, but life witnesses that are endued with power. Now, I, you can extrapolate this out however you want. Let me tell you my extrapolation. People that have no power in their life are Revelation 7 saints. Because he told us that, that we need to overcome. We need to demonstrate, as I talk about Romans 12 too, that we need to prove the word of God. We've got to take the word of God and change situations. He told us to occupy until he comes. We are an occupational, occupational? That sounds like a, that sounds like a job. What's the word when you occupy something? An occupying force? We should be an occupying force. When, during World War II, after Germany was defeated, the United States occupied Germany. We weren't still fighting them. We were keeping them in control. But how many Christians are subject to, submitted to, all the natural stuff going in this? this I, I think it's a lot more serious than what most people make it. Verse, uh, what was that? Verse seven. seven. And the voice which I heard, verse eight, spake unto me again, said, go and take the little book. Okay, I talked about that. And when I went unto the angel and said unto him, give me the little book. Huh? You didn't finish seven. You stopped at testimony. Oh, I'm in the wrong chapter. Sorry. Okay. I was, I was reading uh, seven, eight, and nine in chapter 10. Okay. And when they shall, and when they shall have finished their testimony... The beast ascended out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. So they're going to be killed. And uh, wouldn't this be an interesting um, assignment for God to call you? Hey, I, I want you to go um, do some things for 1260 days. And um, they're going to come against you and they're going to kill you. Would you go rock on for me? Here you do this. Yeah, it's an interesting thing to me about God and death. God's not moved by death. He's not moved by struggle. He's not moved by the things that make us uncomfortable. He's moved by doing his word. But how many things in life, and this is where I keep harping on the point, we live in such an emotional society that everybody approaches things by their emotions and their comfort level, how they feel about something. If you don't think that's the spirit of the Antichrist, is, you know, uh, well, this is just how I feel about it, that's an Antichrist spirit that's teaching that. And their, what's that? Amen. Oh, and their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which is spiritually called Sodom in Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. So we know it's right outside of Jerusalem uh, that they're going to die. <clears throat> but I want you to look at the deception of the world and how strong it is. Now, with death, like a dead body, you don't just leave it lying out there. Even in a third world country like India during COVID, whenever they had a bunch of people dying, 
uh, they were taking the bodies, throwing them in like these mass graves and burning them because they knew that just a decaying body is going to spread disease and make everybody sick. And, uh, um, but they, they're going to just leave them laying there. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually... Now, remember, we're right outside. The great city is Jerusalem. It's right outside of Jerusalem. And now it's called Sodom and Egypt. And Sodom is of Sodom and Gomorrah. And so it's full of sexual perversion, obviously, at this point, because this is what it's called. And so one thing that we could extrapolate from this is the movement and the agenda of homosexuality is only going to grow worse to reach this point. And so instead of looking at it as, ooh, gross, you know, those people or something like that, it's darkness and we need to battle darkness and, and bring people to the knowledge of Christ. That's how we battle darkness is when we do things that the word of God says. Now, the, uh, Egypt was of sorceries again, and those are both two of the things that were mentioned in the four things uh, in chapter 9, verse 21 that I read. And they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations shall, shall see their dead bodies. Now, remember, these two witnesses were doing all kinds of manifestations of the spirit. I mean, they were people to be feared. And it's like, and in the fear, they were revealing the power and the intensity of God. And yet they're like, oh, we're glad these people are dead now. So they'll stop tormenting us. And they shall see their dead bodies three and a half, uh, three days and a half, and shall not suffer their bod dead bodies to be put in graves. You leave them lying there so that we can all look at it. Now, this, you know this isn't going to be just in that geographical area, people that are standing by that will see it. I mean, we've got the 24-hour news cycle and everything like that. It's going to be spread all over the world. That, that we have killed the two men that tormented us for the last three and a half years. And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry and shall send gifts to one another. Now, now if you just look at the deception factor... Because evil has won, they're now going to party and start mailing each other gifts, sending each other gifts, bringing gifts to one another, like you do at Christmas time. We're coming over there. Hey, I brought you some gifts, man. The two guys are dead. We don't have to deal with that anymore. That not only shows you the deception of the people, but the, the intense desire for darkness. And shall send gifts one to another because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. And after three days and a half, the spirit of the life from God. Hang on, let me make sure. The spirit of life from God entered into them. They stood up upon their feet and great fear fell upon them which saw them. And they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, Come up hither. So now, is the they the two prophets only, or is the they all those which saw them? Now, I think it's all those which saw them. God's voice is going to come down. Come up here. And they ascended up into heaven in a cloud, and their enemies beheld them. Now, watch this. Verse 13. And the same hour, so if they get caught up, they come back to life at 11.15 a.m., when is this next thing going to take place? 12. Before 12.15, in the same hour. Could be five minutes, could be 35 minutes, could be 45 minutes. In, the, in that hour, this is going to happen. Was there a great earthquake and a tenth part of the city fell? And in the earthquake were slain of men 7,000, and the remnant were frightened and gave glory to God of heaven. The second woe is past, and behold, the third woe come quickly. Because now we're at the end of time. Because when these, these two prophets, remember they go 1,260 days, that's three and a half years. This is taking place at the end of the seven-year period. 
And the seventh angel sounded. So now we have the seventh trumpet. We ended the sixth trumpet, um, you know, back in chapter six or something like that. The seventh angel sounded and there were great voices in heaven. So it had to be more than one voice saying the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. Now, this is the thing where I was talking about earlier that really people get really, that don't make sense to me. But the kingdom of our Lord is the kingdom of Jesus and his Christ. Who's his Christ? The anointing. The anointing. Or the kingdom of the Lord and his anointing. All the kingdoms of the world has now been subjected to Jesus and the anointing. Who's eligible to be anointed? We all are. But how much are we praying for the anointing of God to manifest in us? How much are we trying to study to understand how the anointing worked? Because it was the anointing that was present at the creation in Genesis chapter 1 that we watch it all throughout the Old Testament, New Testament, and, and it was manifested in Christ. Jesus, the anointed one. That's what Christ means. See, many people are just trying to get God to bless them, but they're not trying to walk in the blessing of God. Does that make sense, that statement? We want God to do something, but we don't want to do something so we can walk in the knowledge of God. Or we view that enlarging our brain cells to memorize more things or know more things about the Bible automatically causes us to walk in it. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to people either on the subject of faith or on the subject of you know, healing or on the subject of something. Yeah, 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 I know that. I know that. I'm doing that. It's like, no, you're not because it's not working. If you do it, it'll work. I did not, it's not necessarily, it's going to easily work. It's a fight. You have to fight the good fight of faith to stay in the word of God, keep using the word of God and, you know, break through every barrier that's trying to stand against you. And a lot of people don't want to do the work. They, that's how we got, how it got so popular, this message of grace that everything's just been done for us. And, you know, we just leave it in God's hand. And he's going to work out, out everything. No, he said, he's given it you. You now go in my authority. And he shall reign forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders, remember we read about them before the throne of God, twelve from the old, twelve from the new, which sat before God on their seats, fell upon their faces, and worshipped God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and was and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee great power and has reigned. And the nations were angry. Now, now here, here you have the, con the... You remember when we talked the, what was it, 200 million man army? Which, I think it was 200 million, something like that. Army that was coming from the east, which most people believe it's Asia countries, because that's where the, the population is. It's been greatly reduced through this tri tribulation period. But uh, I looked up what the, the population of China and India were together, both of them being Asian countries. And they represent 36% of the world's population, just those two countries. That's a, like a pretty heavy number. So mo most people believe that it's coming from that. We don't have, you know, we know the United States can't do it. We don't have that many people. Australia can't do it. They don't have that many people. So when you go by countries and stuff like that, it doesn't look like there's a population other than these Asian areas that have high population. They're coming against the, the Antichrist because the Antichrist is trying to take over the world. Now, that makes sense in the sense of China because China right now is trying to become a dominant player on the world scene. And they want where the U.S. dollar is the dominant currency of the world. They're trying to get their, their yuan, I think it's called, or something like that, yuan. Uh, they're trying to get it to become the dominant. And you can go in, companies can go in, because China has a lot of gold. Uh, you can go in, company, and there's American companies in China mining gold, uh, but they have to sell it all to the government of China. 
Uh, now, they pay market value and everything like that, so it's still profitable for the companies, but they will not allow their gold to be taken out because they're trying to go back to a, a gold standard or a non-fiat standard where their money is actually backed by something where all the, the monies of the world right now are um, fiat currencies that they have no backing. So uh, they're coming from the East. <clears throat> we do that, know that because the Bible says that. And so they're coming to actually oppose the Antichrist. So when the Antichrist is trying to do things, he's not only battling this army coming against him and the different political things that are going on with that, he's got the two witnesses. So he's very frustrated in what he's trying to do. But once, we're now at the end of the, the uh, seven-year period, so we're getting ready to step up at Armageddon. Once that army gets there, they find out, or they, however they do it, they come to the agreement that the biggest enemy right here is not each other, but this God thing. So let's join forces and turn to this God thing. And this is where Jesus, with all the remnant saints, are going to come back at the Battle of Armageddon. Are you following me? I'm on verse 18. Is that where I'm at? Okay, and the nations were angry, and, and thy wrath is come, and the time of the dead that thou should be judged, and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints. So who is he talking about? Because the remnant church is already in heaven. The mid-tribulation church is in heaven. So he's got to be referring to what's taking place here in the, the latter half of the tribulation. That, uh, so the, it's the time of the dead. Remember that when the, the dead underneath the altar of God, that was like in either chapter 4 or chapter 5, like when, when does our time come? He said, wait just a little longer. It looks like he's talking about them, the time of the dead. They should be judged and they should... Uh, they should, uh, they should be judged, and that thou shouldest, and the time of the dead, I'm getting my lines mixed up here, that they should be judged, and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, um, the prophets, probably the two prophets there, maybe there's other prophets in the land, and to the saints, that would have to be the people who have converted, not taken the mark of the beast, that are still alive at this end point, because there will be some, because we're going to see, not tonight, but that the angels start ministering to people. So people are still getting converted at this point. So the people that say of Thessalonians that when he that resisted is removed, uh, they say that it's the Holy Spirit. It can't be the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is still on the earth trying to draw people to the Lord. And them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. It's interesting because, you know, like if you look at oil versus EV, the oil production is a lot less damaging to the earth than the EV. Hmm. All the green stuff that they're trying to do. It doesn't it, it doesn't save the earth. You might believe that, but it doesn't. And the temple of God. Last verse here. And uh, let me look over here at my notes. OK, last verse. We'll stop here. But notice this is a very interesting verse because there's a lot of different people who have said things uh, about where the Ark of the Covenant is. The Bible's going to tell us where the Ark of the Covenant is. You ready? And the temple of God was opened in heaven. And there was seen in his temple the Ark of his Testament. The Ark of the Covenant. So all these people, that, what's that? So all these people, we think we found the Ark of the Covenant. Are you in heaven? How come we can't believe the Bible? He opened up the, he opened up the doors uh, in heaven. God, uh, and the temple of God was opened in heaven. And there was seen in his temple the Ark of the Covenant. And there were lightnings, voices, thunderings, and earthquake, and great hail. And so uh, we are... Completed here for tonight. And so we finished the seventh trumpet. And we're going to see as we go into next week. Uh, this woman that is talked about. The harlot. Um, and um, the dragon. And the different things that are taking place. But when you look at this. Like the big picture of revelations. We've done this now for what five or six weeks. 
in everything. In fact, I heard one person say it was the grand, it's the grand finale of Jesus. And you look at the magnitude of what's going on, which is all centered around his crucifixion, which brought in the covenant. Why do we think so light of it that it doesn't really matter if we read our Bibles, if we're in church, if we pray that much? Because it appears like it's a really big thing. And it's called the wrath of God. The last day of the, the, um, of the tribulation is the wrath of the Lord or the day of the Lord's anger, Jesus's anger. And uh, based on what's being done, it kind of looks like he's angry. Now, he got angry in the temple, and he started whipping people and tossing over tables. But this anger is like quite a bit higher. And so if we just focus on the love of God, God is love. That's why he's trying to get people to still receive him. But if we, we ignore the fact that there is an anger of God, sin angers him. Now, he doesn't act on his anger, praise God, because we'd probably all be dead. Um, but... I think the times that we're coming into, I don't know how to stress it more, but I think it's more important than what most people think. Your little thing, my little thing, we got to get over them. We got to get them out of our life. We we need to uh, we need to be praying, God, that, that get everything out of me. In fact, uh, was it Luke twenty one thirty six? Pray that uh, that you're ready to meet. I'm paraphrasing. Pray that you uh, are ready to meet the Lord and escape all this. I'd be praying, Lord, I want to make the rapture and, and deal with me on what I need to get out of my life and pay attention to what he's talking about because you might not think that your little thing is that big of a thing, but he might think it's a big thing. And I'd be more concerned about what he thinks than what we think. Did you raise your hand? That's the verse I'm talking about. Yeah, pray that you're counted worthy to escape these things. So apparently... You have to be worthy. I have to be worthy. It's not, now we become worthy in him. That's a given. But just because you're born again doesn't mean you're in him. You're in him if you're doing what he says. That's why in Matthew chapter 7, around verse 21, he says, Why do uh, many shall come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, have we not done? They list all the things that they did. And he says, Depart from me. I never knew you. But wait a minute. He's going in that day. He was talking about after his crucifixion, resurrection, when grace was established. Uh, well, grace has been since uh, Genesis chapter six. But uh, when grace was established, but grace didn't save him. He said, depart from me. I never knew you. So we've come up with these doctrines that make us feel good. But this day is coming. It's around the corner. It's probably in most of our lifetime. Any questions? Comments? Hate mail? <laughs> I, I can, I, if you want to hit, send hate mail, here, hate mail, here's the email. Sergei Pavlenko. <laughs> yeah. Because of the sorceries? It's going to be called Sodom and Egypt. Because of the homosexuality and the... Um, um, I was going to actually bring in sorceries. I was going to actually bring the verse uh, also that talks about the beast. He will have no desire for women. The words that are talking about, he, he's, it's very obvious he's homosexual. And probably all those around him are homosexual. And uh, so there's a lot of things that are leading up to this that we're, we're dealing with right now. And, and, and we've got to pay attention to them and, and how we're living. And I tell you what, this is where I get really honest with myself. If something's not working, I'm like looking at my life. Why isn't it working? Am I just in a time frame where, where I, uh, you know, th there, there was one thing I called pastor on uh, today even and was talking to him about this in, on a specific matter. And he went over, because uh, he's kind of doing, he says, I've been praying about this also. And... Um, or in the same realm of stuff, it's different, but kind of the same. And uh, he says, um, it's, it's either one, God's protecting from something, or two, something's hindering it. He says, so what I would say is just stay in the battle. Okay, well, that, that gave me confidence, okay, that I'm not walking off the wrong track, but that didn't solve the, the fun issue uh, or the unfun issue of patience. You just got to keep believing, keep pushing. So just because something's not working is not necessarily you but i would not throw it out of 
the realm of being you. Because like I was talking about earlier on the, uh, uh, you know, people trying to believe God for increase, but they're takers in life, but they don't see themselves as takers. They see themselves as a good steward. But there's an element of stewardship that comes from the word of God, given it shall be given unto you. Well, giving in a natural definition of, sewer, of stewardship is not good stewardship. You, you got you to gotta find the balance in there of, you know, I don't want to become a taker. I've got to be a good steward over what I have. But if I want it to come to me, uh, you know, more to come to me, I'm going to have to be a giver. And so I should look at those fine areas of our life. In fact, what was the story? I was talking to somebody um, this week. And um, okay, I'm not going to tell the story. Uh, but I'll paraphrase the story so that you don't know what the story is. But there was a person that was believing God on a project that money was flowing in. And um, all of a sudden the valve just shut. And couldn't figure out why the money just stopped because everything looked was going the way they were planning, believing the valve just shut. And then found out the person that they had placed to watch over it was in like a battle of their life and was in fear and was actually contemplating suicide and was different things like that. Now, this person was able to intervene. Once they found out the severity, they intervened and they got the person out of that. Once they got the person out of that, the spigot opened back up and the money started flowing. So, so there could be things in our life that are not even us that's causing the battle. It, it's, a spiritual, it's a spiritual dynamic that uh, we don't understand. Now, a lot of people will take seed time and harvest and talk about a seed and how it produces after its own kind and think that, well, I've sowed this, I should reap this. But if you go back to the woman uh, that told her husband, I think it was either Elijah or Elisha, I can't remember which one it was, but she built a little room for him. And uh, so she, she sowed a room, but she reaped a baby. Yeah. When you get it over onto the spiritual, you're not bound by limitations. So now on the negative side of things not working in our life, it could be something. This is why within the church, unity is so important. But people think their opinions are more important. And they'll go off and just talk about things. They'll oppose uh, um, the thing, the, the, the unity of the church. And um, anyway, let's stand. The Bible talks about, in fact, I'm probably going to deal with this. I'm, I'm, I'm about 90% sure on Friday out of Peter. But that corruption comes through lust. Or translation in, in order. We walk in destruction because we follow what we want. Now, if you think about that little phrase right there in terms of the, the thin line between the natural and the spiritual, what keeps us out is our, our, our pursuit of self-comfort. I want people to treat me a certain way. I want people to talk to me a certain way. I don't want to be out of my comfort zone. I don't. It's me, 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 me. And you look around. Just listen to people's conversations. Even though they may, and, and this is where deception comes in, because they will do things for other people, and they will within themselves see that I'm not about me because I did this for them and that for them, but there's typically a price tag on what they did. You ever met that person before? Six months later, but I did this for you. You know, there's a price tag still hanging on that thing. And, uh, but every decision that they make is around what they want, feel, and how they're experiencing it. Because if you're a giver, biblically speaking, a giver, what's another component that goes with the giving in our lives that would allow us to be a giver? Well, okay, that, that's true, but not where I'm going. Anything else? Because what does giving battle within you? You want to. So the other component is dying to yourself. To, to be a true giver with the right heart of giving, you've got to die to yourself. Can you get yourself out of the way? And this, this, a lot of people struggle with this. Or they become confident in what they know, even though what they know keeps them within a, a you know, they'll get answers to their prayers, but it keeps them within a small bubble. When I, when I get around to ministering on the abundance of God, 
God wants us to, to have the ability to live so far beyond where we're at. And there's true Christians that commit themselves to prayer, faith, and the Word of God, and they still struggle. It can't be God. It's got to be a hang-up in our thinking, our doctrine, or whatever it is that the parameters we put on life. Which i got to get over myself in order to get those, that fence taken down. You all sit back down. I'm going to preach some. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your word. Yes, Lord. But Lord, it is your word that is life. It's not anything else. It's your word that is life. Everything in this earth, according to Scripture, is held together by your word. Lord, and it is your word that will get us through the dark days that we're walking. But not just get us through, get us through in, a, in an abundant manner. Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon us. Even though darkness covers the earth and grows darkness of the people, our light will shine, and governments will come to us. People will see that we walk above it and come to us for answers. Lord, but we have to get out of the boundaries that we've set in our mind that typically focus on our lust and what we want. Lord, help us to see it so that we can walk in it. Let us make the Word of God applicable in our everyday life and that we respond to every circumstance and situation of life based on what you've said and not based on what we think. There's doctrines that we've all built in our minds that you know come from wherever they came from, but they're not biblical. They're not sound in their basis. Lord, because everything that you said works, everything that you said overcomes, everything that you says has a, has a position of authority tied to it. And God, I pray that you'd open our eyes, that we could see, that we could know. And Lord, that the fullness of your word would manifest in every arena of Covenant of Peace International West Coast. Lord, that we walk in the authority of the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.